Hello, this is Dr. Meg Mill, and today we'll be mapping headaches on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-minute matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking with Dr. Meg Mill. Dr. Meg Mill is a functional medicine health practitioner. In her practice, she works with patients to focus on healing the root causes of their health struggles through advanced diagnostic testing and personalized support. Before practicing functional medicine, Meg spent almost two decades practicing as a clinical pharmacist. She graduated with a PharmD from Duquesne University and continued her education with a residency at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy. Meg then practiced in various clinical settings before pursuing functional medicine certifications. Meg has been featured in national publications such as Fox News Channel, Health, Authority Magazine, Thrive Global, Drug Topics, and Circle Magazine, as well as several national blogs and podcast guest appearances. With her conventional and functional medicine expertise, she can help her patients improve their health naturally while still understanding and respecting conventional practice protocols. Hello, Dr. Meg. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So, Dr. Meg, we have a great episode with Dr. Robert Sheeler on migraines. That's episode 252 of this podcast. But I was super excited to talk with you more about headaches because not all headaches are migraines. Is that right? Exactly. I see so many people suffering from chronic headaches their whole life that they've never been officially diagnosed with a migraine, but have been living on NSAIDs and different medications just from that chronic tension or sinus or hypoglycemic. There's such a variety of headaches that maybe aren't always talked about. And I hear these referred to by different categories. The categories I often think about are tension headaches or cluster headaches, or even in functional medicine, secondary headaches. Are those the terms you would apply or are there others that I'm not mentioning? I guess I would say I see people with chronic sinus headaches sometimes too, and then resulting from dysregulation of blood sugar. So I I guess when I'm dealing with it in functional medicine though, People will come to me and say, oh, I have this type of headache. Oh, I have a migraine or, oh, I have a tension headache. And they've been sort of diagnosed with this type of headache. But really, when we're looking at the root cause of the headaches, there are similar root causes for all the different types of headaches. So sometimes I actually like to tell them, let's throw out the window, the perception of that type of headache and deal with what's the root of your your symptoms of the pain. 
Mm, I love that. And I want to get to those roots. When we think about a person who's experiencing a headache, are there common notions or understandings of their history? Like, do people have a history of headaches? Where does it exist in the timeline? Does it happen in their mothers or fathers? Or does it usually appear somewhere in their own triggered events? Yes. And I do hear that a lot that, oh, my mother and my sister, I actually had two sisters that came to me at the exact, on the exact same day (laughs) that have both been suffering from headaches since high school. And so I think sometimes, particularly for women through that high school change, when we, you know, when we go through puberty, sometimes the hormonal shift can start those headaches. We do look at genetics, something particularly rather than thinking of oh, I'm someone who has headaches and we don't have genes for headaches, but we have genes for different dynamics within our body, like you know the DAO enzyme deficiency. So if you're someone who has that SNP, then you may not process histamine as well as other people, which could then lead to headaches. So I do think you know those play a role in all the different factors of why different people are predisposed. You know, we can also have people that have had underlying gut infections from antibiotic use through their childhood that, you know, we know that there's a gut brain connection and some of those can even lead to headaches. So sometimes even that early life situations that you're not necessarily thinking about can be predisposing you. The other thing is your environment and where you live and where you grew up in all different environmental factors. If you were exposed to different heavy metals, different things like that can also be predispositions for people to be more likely to get headaches. And do you go back with them through a sort of functional timeline to understand when did this start for you and when did it exacerbate? And is that a clue in your clinical care? Absolutely. That helps me determine where to start with them. It's interesting because you can sometimes, I'm sure you've seen this too, have people that can remember the exact day when their life changed. (laughs) So it's like 18 years ago on this day, I was doing this and that's when things changed. And so when you go back through their health history, I like to start at the beginning with every patient I see to really get that full understanding of their life history and see if, you know, if there was a event that triggered it, if it was sort of through hormonal changes, if, you know, there, what, where was that trigger and what was their whole history in order to really determine how we start to work through the process of elimination. Yeah, I really love just banking on the left side of the matrix and really understanding that time frame, that story for a patient because it can illuminate so much. And you brought us already so beautifully into part of the center of the matrix, but I want to go back there. And the gut, you were talking about gut health and its connection to headaches. And I think we can get in a catch-22 here because there's gut health issues and then people are taking NSAIDs and that's impacting the gut further. And it's kind of this, like I said, catch-22 where they can't get better. Can you talk a little bit more about the gut piece and its relation to headache symptoms? Absolutely. So I think it, it actually is a really large problem when it comes to headaches because people are using NSAIDs particularly regularly for years. And they and that's the way you know they're going into their PCP and they're being treated with these medications that then are causing, you know, we know for sure that regular use of NSAIDs affects your gut lining. So once you're using the regular 
NSAIDs all the time, you're affecting your microbiome, you're affecting your gut lining, you're creating, you know, an issue with potential food sensitivities, and then the food sensitivities can then trigger your headaches. So we do know that one thing that can trigger headaches are food sensitivities, which are being created. So people can get in this constant cycle where they're using the treatment that's causing more of the problem. And they're just feeling like that's their only hope. So I I think really just shifting that mindset for people. Someone gave me this quote before, and I think it fits really well with functional medicine and treating headaches. If you take your car to a mechanic and you said there was a noise in my car and they handed you a pair of earmuffs and said, drive away, (laughs) you would be scared. (laughs) You'd not accept that. But in some ways that's, you know, when we're just using chronic NSAIDs and we're creating this dynamic, we're, we're somewhat doing that with our conventional treatment of headaches. Yeah. And you're saying that too, with a pharmacological background. So that connection between NSAIDs and the gut lining is in hocus pocus. There's some real biochemistry happening there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We know for sure that, that, you know, that, and, and, me, you know, many people even will say the Advil upsets my, you know, I'm just using Advil as one, but you know, that the ibuprofen is a common one. So I take the, that's upsetting my stomach and, and it's, you know, even further than this, like we're talking about headaches right now, but I have people that come to me with gut health issues and then they're coming to me for the gut health issues because they've taken the Advil for the headache. So when that's their chief complaint and we're going through their state, like we were talking about all their history that comes up, like, even if that's not their chief complaint, it will comes up. Well, I have chronic headaches and I take Advil every week. And so we're like, oh, well, no, you know, no wonder we're here now for the gut health too. Right. So we have to then remember that the headaches are like, I like to say they're a branch and we have to get to those roots. You talked about gut, the microbiome, the gut lining, and then, you know, that leading to potential food sensitivities, further dysbiosis that can manifest as other branches, other symptoms. You also mentioned earlier hormones, things happening either with the start or changes in a cycle and blood sugar. Can we talk a little bit about that hormone node and headaches for a moment? Yeah, sure. So the last week of our cycle, our hormones are dropping rapidly. And so often with many women, your progesterone drops faster than your estrogen. And when that happens, then many women become estrogen dominant in that period. And that's why you hear a lot of people saying that they have that every month, they get that migraine potentially or headache, you know, but sometimes that the migraines particularly will come in that, that period and because they're estrogen dominant. And so once you become estrogen dominant, then that can cause an increase in the prostaglandins, which are, we know are inflammatory mediators. So the headache can come on as a symptom of a surge of the prostaglandins too. So, you know, when we're going through the history and I see people particularly with that cyclical headache, one of the things we really want to focus is on hormone balance and, you know, really getting the estrogen and progesterone balanced. Yeah. Which leads us back to the gut, which is great, but it also leads us to detoxification when we're looking to eliminate those excess or unnecessary types of estrogen that we're done with. Are there any other aspects of detoxification that are related to the manifestation of headaches? I do work on detoxification with my headache patients because 
We also know that lead and cadmium can be precipitators for chronic headaches. And so we want to do a full picture of their to- like toxic load and then work through the detox aspect of that. Because I think that toxic overload can definitely be another precipitating factor for headaches. Yeah. And it's so, like we say, everything's connected so we can remove or eliminate things if they were putting more toxins into the body, either endogenously or exogenously, even with diet and the health of the gut. So I think there can often be a lot of confusion about detoxification and where to focus bypassing one of the biggest toxic vessels in the body, which is the digestive system. So hormones, we talked about the sex hormones. We also talked about blood sugar. Any connections between cortisol and headaches? Yes. So cortisol creates the chain of pain when it comes to headaches, because as we know, a headache is a stressor on the body in itself, which can increase your cortisol because you're in that stress. And so then when the cortisol is increased, you can increase prostaglandin release, which increases your sensitivity to pain. So, so many of these people that are in this chronic headache syndrome are just in this over an over cycle where they just are stressed from the headache, which causes stress. And, and so we really do, you know, part of the way, the way I treat them is really also focusing on types of getting that cortisol level down, types of stress management. Once you move into the low cortisol and more of the adrenal fatigue, that can also increase the potential for the more food sensitivities too. So it's really just getting that good balance in the cortisol. So that is a big component of just working with people and also sleep. I mean, when you're not able to sleep from the headaches, we know that sleep is an independent trigger for headaches. So when you're stressed and you're not prioritizing sleep, it's just another stressor on the body that can make the headache cycle worse. So I want to come back to sleep too and start to look at some of our mediators, but I still have so many questions in the central part of the matrix and it kind of blows my mind when I think about all the things that could be contributing to, again, the manifestation of a headache with that headache just being a branch, but people then trying to cover it like those headphones, putting those headphones on when they've gone to the mechanic for the noise. The two other areas I want to focus on or ask you to talk about are neurotransmitters like glutamate and also just the relationship between headaches and the heart. Yes. Well, it's interesting in this conversation how many times we're going back in some ways to the cycle of the treatment and the gut health and then the fact of the north, you know, it is just this constant cycle. So when we are also having the NSAIDs all the time that are affecting our gut health regularly, you know, affecting all the things we already talked about, you know, then that can also affect your serotonin because we know that so much of the serotonin is made in the gut. And so then we can get the glutamate, you know, dominance can trigger that, that pain receptor. And so that also contributes to that pain cycle. Yeah. So important to think about all of these things. And as you said, I mean, I always like to say there's three roots, many branches, and the headache here again is a branch, but those three roots are the genes, digestion, of course, which we're banking on, and inflammation, which is impacted 
the inflammatory milieu or the inflammasome by everything we're talking about here. So what about the heart? Is there a connection between heart health and the vascular system and headaches? Yeah, we see that particularly in migraines because we get that vascular dilation. So when you have things like the high blood pressure and things that are related to the changes in that cardiometabolic syndrome, there is that connection with that vascular dilation in migraines. So that can be a precipitating factor too. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense there. I want to move on to those mediators, but before I do, is there anything we, I mean, I feel like there's so much we missed. There's so much we missed in inflammation, (laughs) but also like structural, right? There's structural stuff that could lead to headaches. Is there anything that you want to just point out that comes up a lot that we didn't get to talk into? I think like just, you know, when you're saying that structural, you know, posture and movement and even um, simple things like they're grinding their teeth at night and they don't realize like, oh, do you have jaw pain? You know, there's because people aren't looking, they see the headache as I have this headache. It's a problem. That's what I have instead of investigating in all the different things that could be contributing to it. Mm, That's probably the most important thing we can say there. So then what do we do? If we look at the right side of the matrix, you mentioned sleep. We talked about food sensitivities. Where do we begin? The two places that are, I tell everyone, I'm like, these are free and easy to do. <laughs> so <laughs> start right here is, you know, prioritize sleep and make sure they're, you know, that you're, that you're getting patients to have a, a good night's sleep, good sleep environment, sleep hygiene, and then hydration. That's a whole nother trigger, but we really haven't gotten into dehydration yet because dehydration is another precipitating factor for a headache. And you also want to make sure that when you're doing the hydration, that they're getting good cellular hydration. And so really getting people to drink more throughout the day rather than chugging their water during mealtime. So as often people will just, you know, grab that water bottle and chug it, but they're not necessarily getting optimal cellular hydration throughout the day. So hydration and sleep, those are the most cost effective. It's always like a place to start. <laughs> yes. And then we get we we definitely get deeper. And so we know there are so many different foods that can trigger migraines and headaches. So I work with people on diet. And so we want to make sure that we're getting them the optimal nutrients to support you know, a lot of times we see people with magnesium deficiencies, that's a common one. And then, you know, making sure that the right, like B vitamins, CoQ10, things that optimize cellular metabolism are important. So we want to get them on the right, the right nutrients and the right diet. So eating an anti-inflammatory diet. And then we know that there are different triggers that certain foods cause triggers for headaches. And so we work on eliminating things like tyramine-containing foods, salicylates, nitrates, sulfites, MSG, aspartame, even caffeine. That's a big one with rebound headaches. So we work through diet and, you know, the correct foods to watch. It's often like people will say, like, let's use wine, for example. Like I had a glass of wine and I didn't have a headache, but then I had it another time and I, you know, I got the headache, so I can't ever tell what I eat. And sometimes it's not just one food, but can be combination of foods that you eat. So I like to give them a a journal and say, you know, I want you to write down what you ate that day and the day before when you're getting these headaches. And then that way we can start to clue in like, what is the combination of foods that are triggering you? 
Yeah, it's deep investigative work. And I know when we're on the right side of the matrix, there's areas of stress and stress reduction. And it's a process and a journey I'm imagining with each and every patient. Dr. Meg, I have one more question for you, and it's around the NASEDs. Is there something you recommend for people to kind of crowd out their NASED use to replace when they are having to manage symptoms? I like curcumin. I see so much success with that. People even that will switch and be like, oh my gosh, my pain is down. So I I like to use that on an ongoing basis. You know, you can use the fish oils too. That can help people with some inflammation in general. But then if you have someone who is in the experience of a headache, sometimes peppermint oil is also something that can be very helpful if you get to that point, if you are experiencing a headache. So many important details here, Dr. Meg. I feel like I could talk to you for a while just about this one topic, and I love your approach. It really resonates with everything we do in the tier one and tier two work. Is there anything else you wish providers knew about headaches so that more of the patients could be served? I unfortunately just hear so many people come to me saying that they have been told that this is just who they are and they have to live this way. And so I just feel for them and and what they're how they're suffering. So just to know that they don't have to, it can be reversed. They don't have to live, you know, that we can give hope to people who are in this pain. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Dr. Meg. Thank you so much for having me today. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.